Good morning. It's good to be here, isn't it? It really is. It's, um, so I was sitting back there listening to the music and, and just thinking, this is a place surrounded by people that, that love each other, that care for each other, that, that have the best interest of one another in mind. And I could think of no better place to want to spend more time. And that's with, with each and every one of you here in this house. So um, I'd encourage you if, you, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do, um, to keep them open to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to spend the morning there. And so we've been working through this letter that Paul wrote um, to the Ephesians the last six weeks. And today we're on Ephesians, what Jacob read, Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Um, but I want to give a little bit of a recap. So we're going to back up a little bit of a recap into the book of Ephesians. Um, Paul wrote this book to the church in Ephesus, which is a Roman capital um, province of Asia, uh, modern-day Turkey. The letter is split into six chapters. So it's really a first half and a second half. And, and Tim touched on this um, in our opening week of, of Ephesians. So chapters 1 and 3 really focus on what we believe or um, what Paul felt that we should believe through Jesus Christ, and then, or what Jesus Christ has done for us and why we believe that. And then the second half is four through six, and that's how we are to be based on the first half of what we believe or who we believe we are in Jesus Christ. So it builds on one another. We build the foundation in, in chapters one through three, and then we get more application in chapters four through six. Now, we're still in the first part, so we're still, we're still going through what we believe. And so in chapter one, and we've spent six weeks and, and we're barely into chapter two, right? This, this is a really deep love letter to this church about who Jesus Christ is, who God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is, and then who that makes us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. And so Tim took a deep dive into the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and then we, we focused on prayer, um, you know, praying for the saints, praying for one another, praying for the church, and then praying for non-believers as well. And then last week, David looked at grace, um, because with, without grace, we have none of this. And so... And, a little side note, um, I don't know if any of you listen to podcasts or know what a podcast is, um, but all of our sermons are recorded and, and uploaded to a podcast. And so the, it's, it's a blessing to me because this past week I was able to listen to the sermons of, of these brothers and then listen to the first week of Ephesians when we read through it. And so you can go back and listen to those things, and, and it's whether you're in the car or doing whatever, it's really nice to be able to rehear God's word because I, I told Tim this last night. I've listened to those sermons live, and then I listen to them on, a, on my headphones through a podcast, and I hear something different every time. And I'm like, wow, did he really say that? Like, you know, I'm paying attention, but it, you hear something different. The, the Word of God is living and breathing, and it's always changing and affecting our lives. So, so the letter of Ephesians, to summarize, is about what Jesus has done for us. So as Christians, right, as followers of Jesus Christ, people who have accepted Jesus into our heart, it's a letter about what Jesus is, has done for us and is doing for us. There's a constant theme of the use of words in him and through him. You hear that constantly, and, and if, you're, if you're one of the people that marks up your Bible, and I would encourage you to do so, underline those, in him, through him. See how many times it's recurring through the text here, just in the first chapter and a half. 
It's almost like Paul is saying, and, and I want to paraphrase this, Paul's saying, I am who I am because and only because of what Jesus has done for me or for us. So it's, it's his identity, and I encourage us today to make it our identity as Christians today. That's what's going to set us apart. So the text today should be no surprise. We're going to continue this beautiful theme of what Christ has done for us. So we're going we're gonna to open up, we're going to look at two separate adjectives. I'm going to point out two separate adjectives. You can see them on the screen. At least I hope they're on the screen. Yeah, they're there. The guy running the PowerPoints, he's finicky. So the peace, Christ our peacemaker and Christ our cornerstone. We're going to take a deep dive into what those two things means, mean to us. So let's set the stage, and we're going to begin reading. Um, look at verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So we're going to stop right there. We're going to take a look. So this is talking about circumcision, uncircumcision, alienated from the commonwealth, stranger to the covenant of promise. Those are the, those are the terms used. And really, what it's talking about is there's a separation, right? There's two sides. There's Jews and there's Gentiles, okay? The Jews were the circumcised. The Gentiles were the uncircumcised. The Jews were the chosen people of God, which is through the covenant promises several generations back. The Gentiles were the outsiders, right? They were the, the non-believers. And what Paul's saying here is, is he's clearly setting the stage. There's two separate groups. Now, I know... In today's world, we have no idea what it's like to have, to have different groups, right? I mean, there, there's no separation, there's no division in our world today. There's a clear divide. I mean, even, you know, joking, you know, you hear about, like, I'll use sports analogies, right? So, um, if you're an NBA fan, you've got the, the Lakers and Celtics rivalry from, from generations back. If you're a, a baseball fan, you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, and usually you gravitate to one team or the other, right? You're, you're, there's never really any instance, or even, you know, we're from Indiana, so you've got the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers, right? You can't like both of them. You've got to pick one or the other, right? So you, you have to pick a side, and that's what this is saying. And now, getting into more serious terms, right? Look at today's world, right? We're separated by our race. We're separated by, you know, who we vote for or which side of the political party we're on. And we're going to look today at why those things in the grand scheme don't matter, right? That we should not be separated because of who Christ is. So, there's a clear divide. Division is, is prevalent, and it's not something new to us just today. It was obviously prevalent in this time, you know, 2,000 years ago, and when Paul's writing this letter. So the end of verse 12 shows, and this is because of the separation, there is no hope. But it says without God in this world, there's no hope. So without God, there is no hope. The separation is always going to happen. There's always going to be the divide. There's always going to be this constant butting heads as far as us as peoples, right? We're always going to be divided. We're going to continue on. But first, I want to, I want to note, and David touched on this yesterday, or last week, excuse me, 
the, the fact that there's no hope means we're dead, right? And, and that's, the, that's the, you know, chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespass and sins, so why is there no hope? Because we're dead in our sins. Because apart from God, apart from Christ, that's where we're at. We're, we're dead fish in the water. So we're going we're gonna to keep moving, though. Verse 13, but now, and I love the word but in, the, in these, because Paul sets it up and says, look, there's a dire situation. It's a, it's a bad deal for us. But, but, there's something better. So here's what he said. But now, in Christ, that's another in Christ, Jesus, who you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has, taken, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing the law, of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So this is saying that Christ has reconciled us to peace. Christ is the peacemaker. It talks about um, a dividing wall of hostility and something, as I was reading through this, and I told David this earlier in the week, you know, the one thing I think of when I think of a dividing wall of hostility, you know, when I was when I was young, obviously it happened years before, I'd gone through elementary school, we'd studied um, the Berlin Wall. You know, the, it, it separated, it was right down the middle and it separated the city. It was a dividing wall of hostility. And, and there was so much emotion tied to that wall. And, and then, you, you know, you can see videos, you can watch videos, you can YouTube them now. Videos of, of people celebrating when that wall was knocked down. Celebrating when that wall was abolished, right? Think of the the celebration that had happened when that wall was broken down, how much we should be celebrating that Christ broke this wall down for us. And so how did he break down the law? Or how did he break down the wall? It was by abolishing the laws and commandments. And so we're going to go back to that Jew versus Gentile idea. The Jews were tied to all these laws and all these ordinances that they had to do. They had to do sacrifices, and they had these different feasts. They had to come for seven days. They had to travel, you know, to the homeland of Jerusalem, and, and all these different things that they had to follow. They were, they were trying to do works to get to Christ. And so what it's saying Christ has done is he has taken all of those things, and they basically were nailed to the cross with Christ. They're meaningless now. Tim talked a few weeks ago about a new covenant. That new covenant through Jesus Christ takes away all of that. It abolishes all of that old stuff, all of the sacrificial things, all of the ordinances you have to do, you know, all these things that were, that were mandates to try to be holy are now gone, right? Because we are unworthy of being holy apart from Jesus Christ. And so the new covenant is summed up in verse 8. If we look back, verse 8 that David covered last week, and this is, this is the highlight of, of his text last week, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the new covenant, right? That's Christ, that we can't do enough good to make it to heaven on our own accord. It is only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Right? And so we keep moving on this, in this passage. And so Christ has abolished the law. He has set a new covenant for us. 
And then we're going to look at verses, verses 16 through 19. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. So first of all, verse 16. Verse 16 says, we might reconcile us as God through one body on the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That, that is why, you know, of, of all the ordinances that were abolished, there are a couple that we still observe today. And one of those is participating in the Lord's Supper, taking communion, the bread and the juice, reminiscent of the body and the blood of Christ. We do that in remembrance of what Christ did on the cross. That's why we don't do it. That doesn't save us by doing it. It's to remind us that he did it. It's a reminder that Christ did that on the cross for us. It's a remembrance of, of that. Verse 17, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you, if you remember from last week, verse 2, it says the Prince of the Power of the Air or the Prince of the World. Who's that? That's the devil, right? So this is a complete contrast to the devil. The devil is the Prince of the Power of the Air. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is a peacemaker. He's the Prince of Peace. So of course, in verse 17, he's going to preach peace. For all those who are near, Jesus' theme in preaching was peace. Love God. Love your neighbor. Verse 18, for through him, another through him, we have access to one spirit and the Father. And then verse 19, so we're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. So another through him, Jesus, and only because of Jesus, we have access to God and the Holy Spirit. So when we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And through that, and only through that, we have access to God the Father. And that's 19. So that is what gives us fellowship. That's what makes us fellow citizens. That's what no longer allows us to be an alien. So we're no longer strangers, but instead we can fellowship with the saints. We can be part of the inheritance of the kingdom of God. So because of Jesus, we have that inheritance with God. And only because of Jesus, we have that inheritance with God. The opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with God is only given to us because of Jesus, the peacemaker. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being built, in who the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So now we make this transition. Jesus is this peacemaker. He's, he's broken down the walls of hostility. He's, he's allowed us to come into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God, only through Jesus Christ. And we transition now from the, Jesus the peacemaker to Jesus the cornerstone. So what is a cornerstone? Also known as a foundation stone or sometimes a setting stone. 
What, what is a cornerstone? Does anybody know what a cornerstone is? I know David does. He learned it. He learned it this week. Cornerstone, when you're building a, a structure, so in, in um, construction, when you're building a, a mainly a masonry structure, the cornerstone is the stone that's first set. And, and a lot of times today you look at buildings, the cornerstones are more decorative. They're more um, like if you... If you put a plate on it of, of this group built this building, right? It, it's more of a decorative thing, just kind of an in honor of. But when cornerstones in construction in this time, they everything about that building started with the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first stone that was laid. And then all the other stones of the foundation are laid around it, right? It, it sets the pace for the rest of the building, the way it's going to be built, the way it's going to face the, the size of structure it is, it's all based on the cornerstone. And so it tells us in verse 20, <clears throat> built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the beginning, right? He should be what we build our lives on. So the foundation of this building then is the apostles and the prophets, right? Paul, Jesus' disciples, the prophets that are in the Old Testament that, that constantly point to Jesus, right? The, the whole theme of the Old Testament are all these Old Testament prophets. They're pointing to the coming of Jesus. They're pointing to Jesus' coming. And then the apostles and Jesus' disciples, they're, they're telling what Jesus did. So they're pointing back at Jesus. Everything, Jesus is the focal point of the Bible. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament points back to him. And then what he's going to do in the future. So Jesus is that cornerstone. And then those apostles and the, and the prophets are the foundation around it, right? So we've got the cornerstone. We've got the foundation. The building is now set. And now how do you, how do you build up from that, right? And so, so how do you build up from that? You have to have the cornerstone. You have to have the foundation. But then that's where we come in, okay? So verse 21 in whom, in Jesus, the whole structure is being joined together. Verse 22, in him, Jesus again, we're being built together. And so I'm going to flip over. I want to look at 1 Peter, and you don't have to, to flip there. Just make a note. Um, make a note in your Bible, right? 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. So 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. Christ is the living stone. Christ is the cornerstone. And I'm going to read this text, 1 Peter 2. Four through five. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Jacob read the call to worship today, and, and, and in the psalm, it, it said that Christ is the living stone rejected by men. This was, so this was written about how many thousands of hundreds of years ago, right? The psalm was written that the living stone is going to be coming. He's going to be, he's, he's going to be rejected by many. The cornerstone is going to be rejected by men. And we see that. Christ was rejected by his own people. They nailed him to the cross. But then Paul, Paul is saying, or Peter, excuse me. Peter's saying it here. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. So to God, he was perfect. He was precious. He was God. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
We are being built up as living stones. So Christ is that cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation. And then we come in. We're living stones. We build on that, right? Together we build the, the people of God, the house of God, the, the church of God, right? Christ's bride is us, the church. We come together to build that. And we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But it says right above that, we're a spiritual house. So this is, we're talking Jesus, the cornerstone, God, God's perfect sacrifice, and then a spiritual house because we as Christians are full of the Holy Spirit. So again, we see the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in our lives played out in the life of the church. We all come together. We believe in the cornerstone, and we build everything around him. So we're living stones filled with the Holy Spirit, building on the cornerstone, building on the foundation, doing his work in our lives and in our world today. So let's, let's recap. We're going to wrap up today. Let's, let's recap. There's, we are one in Christ, right? I don't care what sports team you like. I don't care... If you're a Boilermaker fan or a Hoosier fan, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care who you vote for, Trump or Biden. I don't care. It doesn't matter, right? It is important. Don't get me wrong. It's important to pray for our leaders. It's important to support those who hold things dear that Christ holds dear. It's important to do those things. It's important to speak out for what Christ wants us to speak out for, but it doesn't matter which side you're on because with Christ, the wall has been torn apart. The veil in the temple was torn. It's done. It's finished. There's nothing we can do. We are one in Christ. That is our identity. He's abolished the law. It was nailed to the cross when he was nailed to the cross. The only way that we can make it to heaven is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He is our peacemaker. He is our cornerstone that every aspect of our lives should be built on. So today, if you believe that Christ is the peacemaker, and you believe that he is the cornerstone, and you haven't asked him to be the cornerstone in your life, I invite you to do that, right? We're, we're going to go into, into some song, and, and I couldn't, the three songs we're going to sing is Julia Marilyn come, it is well with my soul, he is our peace and cornerstone. I couldn't think of three more fitting songs to sing this morning, because he is our peace. He is our cornerstone. And if those two things, we believe them and we, we truly follow those, it is well with our souls, right? Because we know, we know where we're going. And so as we, as we come and sing, the altar's open, you can stay in your pews. But even if you just need to rekindle that relationship with Jesus, bow your head and say the prayer, God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I can't do it. I need Jesus. It's only by his grace, 
through my faith in him that I can do this, that I can go to heaven and spend eternity with you. So I challenge you to do that today. Rekindle that relationship with Jesus or do it for the first time, right? Because he's there eagerly waiting to be the cornerstone of your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for this morning that we can gather together as your people, as the living stones that are built on the foundation and the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, God. We, just, we thank you so much for that opportunity. We thank you for these truths that we opened today and read. God, we don't deserve you, but you love us so much. You sent your son to die for us. We thank you so much for that. There's nothing we could ever do to deserve it, God, but only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ can we come into a relationship with you. God, I, just, I pray for all those here this morning that, that they know you. I pray that they intimately know you and have a relationship with you. And I pray that if they don't, that they, that they will and that they, they will make that leap and ask Christ to be the cornerstone of their lives. God, we just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.